passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York. It is 47 degrees Fahrenheit. Joining me. To my immediate south is Chris Gullo, who has survived the Twitter apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, you know, and <laughs> that's a paying per month helps. <laughs> to my far east, Jesse Collins, who also, like me, never had a blue check mark to begin with. Hello. Yeah, just when I thought I'd come close to getting a blue check mark, now it's lost all relevancy. It's mm-hmm. like a. You work for a major media publication, though. Uh, yeah, I, you know, they did a thing. Um, probably about a year ago now where they told us if you want to get uh, certified on Twitter, like send in an application and like my company was going to uh, submit like in mass, a huge request for verification. And they told us it was going to take like months and months for them to figure it out. And I guess they never figured it out because I think Twitter was bought after that and the verification system changed, but my plans to be verified and my plan, I'm sure when you're verified and I'm sure Gullo can, from this is that when you get that little blue check mark, people just take you a lot more seriously instantly. You get a million followers like really quickly. Everyone just agrees with you all the time. <laughs> I'm sure it's just pure bliss. And uh, I can only dream of such a thing. I guess I can now attain that dream for, for $8, correct? Yeah, I like longer tweets. That, that's my favorite thing about it. Do you, do you make longer tweets? Yes, yeah, sometimes when I'm promoting things, you know what I mean? There's just not okay. enough words. Here's the thing we have to talk about. So, so Chris Gullo, you you did not have a blue check mark until very recently, um, very Elon much Musk. in the Elon Musk era. Did you acquire this blue check mark? And uh, I may or may not have a Chrome extension that tells me who's paid for the blue check mark and who who authentically is famous and important. Um, may or may not be famous and important. Uh, so, I, I I can I have some evidence to support the notion that you, in fact, Chris Gullo, did pay. And our pay, you still have it, are paying for a blue icon next to your name. Is this true? 
It is. Uh, when it was first available to buy, I got it. Uh, why? Why? I don't know. I just I because I was you don't I've know. been trying to get it for a couple of years, and I did. They just kept kind of giving me the runaround. Twitter did. Uh, and when I saw people with a lot less followers than me get it, and like like guys that work in like local bands in Buffalo were getting blue check marks with three hundred followers, and I couldn't get it. Like I was like, what what is going on here? Uh, and they don't like they're not uh, working for a, a no a newspaper or a local TV network or something. No, it was just no. Yeah, it was just random check marks. So. I uh this is oh, go this is surely to protect you also from the the like millions of of Chris Scullo parody accounts that are also there. There, there, there is one. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> there is one? Well, there's kind of one so uh yeah, somebody What's the hand? Do you want to promote it? <laughs> no, somebody uh um whose name is not Chris Scullo has that Chris Scullo is their handle. It's like Chris it's like Chris Scullo 1. So Think, I'm, I'm just Chris Gullo, at least. Uh, some somebody named Stephanie Camp. I have no idea who she is or whatever, but she uses Chris Gullo as her handle. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, um, at, at, oh, well, at, as people uh, can tell from our social media plugs that are on the bottom of underneath our names on the screen, we were all very proactive in getting our names on Twitter. We, we we have occupied the the full first name last name no space, no problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, I I paid for the blue check, and I'm kind of mad about this eight dollars a month thing because I have Android and I get charged eleven. I get charged. You get charged eleven? Yeah. So, because you you pay through the Google Store I or think something. So yeah. Um. So you're paying eleven dollars yeah. a month to. I will most likely be getting rid of it after this. <laughs> after this purge, you've been shamed now. Yeah, enough. I've already, it's it already um, charged me for the month before this happened. So. I've been meaning to bring this up for a while now. So you've been charged more than once. I think. Like, Two or three months, yeah, yeah. Um, it appears that some that most people who have over a million followers have been given it for free now. Okay, so that's happening. I was surprised. Well, I, it may or may not have happened. I'm. Um, there's no way to verify uh, whether or not the ratings that you're seeing are really me reporting the ratings. I suppose uh, this did happen on a Thursday, which is the day that the EW Dynamite ratings come out after Wednesday. Um, wouldn't have been surprising to see somebody uh, post a fake WrestleNomics ratings tweet. Don't do that uh, if you're listening. But well, you just gave a bunch of people the idea, Brandon. <laughs> well, this, this is why I, I need my authenticity verified, perhaps, uh, in, in the interests of um, of the general public. Uh, but anyway, um, we're going to talk about some things today. It is we are well we are well into the right of first refusal window for at least WWE's incumbent media partners, NBC Universal and Fox Corporation, that that of the quarter, three quarters of a million dollar settlement fame. Um, and uh, we will talk about AEW's situation as well. Of course, if you want to participate with a question or a comment and have us read it and answer or react to it, you can participate with a super chat if you're listening live on YouTube. Um, but uh, where shall we begin? This this week on the Sports Illustrated Media with Jimmy Traina podcast, he had on what's his name, Jim Miller. Uh, he had on, I think it's Jim Miller, right? Jim no, Andrew Miller, I think. Jim, yes, he has three names. James Andrew Miller, uh, who said that there are people at Warner Brothers Discovery that are interested in WWE. He knows it. He stated it as a fact, not something he was speculating about that maybe they would be interested or maybe it makes sense for them to be interested if, if NBA goes. He said it as a fact. WWE 
WWE is going to take away. He didn't say it like this, okay? But WWE is going to take away AEW's business partner. Of course, news aggregators of wrestling information far and wide absorbed this news and made ad revenue off of it, perhaps. Um, but we have a... Do I have my notes out here? But we have a report from Fightful uh, that came out yesterday that says what? Uh, Jim Miller caused some speculation suggesting that WBD was interested in WWE content, especially if they lose the NBA. But Fightful uh, has received information saying that several WWE executives uh, have not heard anything to suggest that there have been any conversations between WWE and WBD. While there have been conversations with other potential partners, there have been no discussions between WWE and WBD. Conversely, sources at WBD have indicated they are actually looking into expanding their relationship with all elite wrestling financially and in terms of content. There were no ne negative comments made about WWE in these conversations, but it was suggested that the ex this expansion will become evident soon. Uh, collision may be coming soon, maybe other content. So there's that. I think that just throws some, some cold water on that. I'm, I'm apt to believe uh, there's some good credibility to, to the Fightful report considering these are WWE sources who would be interested. It would be to their interest to say, oh, yeah. WBD's interested in us. Lots of people are interested in us. More bidders. Or, or even to just no. say like, or even to just say be like. Be ambiguous. Yeah. yeah, we'd definitely be interested in talking to Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah. To even, not even, you wouldn't even have to go as far as to say, yeah, we're totally talking to them. But at least give some level of interest, some mutual interest. And um, I listened to the, the podcast and um, – James Miller, I I'm not super familiar with his work. I know he's an investigative journalist, and he's, I did he's written his, books about CAA. He, okay, right. I've read I've read his ESPN book, um, which is very good. He does like he has a very thorough oral history of ESPN. The book probably came out about ten to fifteen years ago. Um, he's written a whole book on CAA, uh, so the the, uh, the um, agency that Nikon has come from. Yes, uh, I don't know what his grasp is on the pro wrestling. Uh, industry is. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of the people that maybe appear on these major sports media rights podcasts. Um, and considering he wrote a book about CAA, I would think pro probably not too hard for him to get information that, that may fit, fall out of Nick Khan's world. Right. Which, which makes the WWE sources that Fightful has saying that, no, we haven't really talked to WBD more interesting because if he's getting that fed from like a Nick Khan led world, surely the Fightful Report would also probably have at least someone saying a similar thing. Um, he doesn't really – if you, you listen to the podcast, he doesn't really elaborate on like why he thinks WBD has interest in WWE. He he just and, says – This is a people, wider conversation about sports right, media he, and TV he, rights. He says that – dwelling people, on wrestling. Right. He says – he kind of just says that people he talked to were about Discovery would have an interest in WWE, which may be in like – the most basic sense like yeah we would be interested in having wwe if wwe wanted to be on one of those discovery but not if it that that is a far cry from you know bidding competitively for wwe with these other people that we think are going to be involved like mbcu um he also uh says that uh he also says that there's eighty thousand people at wrestlemania which we know wasn't really true but it's in the press uh, release he's on the record Okay. Well, that's why WWE does the press releases, and that's why they lie about the numbers, because people like uh, Jim Miller here will, will go on a major podcast and say, yeah, they had 80,000 people there, um, which 
in some ways makes me question the diligence that's going into his reporting or, or, or commenting on WWE in the first place. If he's you're saying WWE's lying about how many people are in the building, yes, they're, they they're counting the staff and the security and the ushers and the ticket takers and the things of that nature and the people who work in parking and the police outside and the people and don't forget the people in the suites and the and the empty seats in the suites. All those may be counted. Mm-hmm. The yeah, um, and the talent and the staff. Yeah, he also says something pretty interesting which is that he says that it's possible that monday night raw could be moved off of monday nights that that sounds crazy to me um yeah he uses the evidence saying that nick khan was able to convince wwe to move pay-per-views off of sunday onto saturday nights um which i don't know how much longer that's going to happen because i believe the rationale behind um the move to saturday nights was this idea that UFC pay-per-views are on Saturday nights. Big boxing pay-per-views are on Saturday nights. WWE needs to be in that world, so our pay-per-views are going to be on Saturday nights too. But with the merger coming between Endeavor and WWE, wouldn't it seem likely that WWE wouldn't want WWE's pay-per-views competing with UFC content, whether it's a UFC pay-per-view or a UFC fight night event? WWE and UFC are merging, and, and UFC often runs on Saturdays, so it... It could be the right. case that we see more W pay-per-views, PLEs, excuse me, on Sundays again. It could be. I don't, right. I don't because they wouldn't just want to run. reason. They wouldn't want to compete with any form of UFC. Um, have they? Program. Have they ran against um, UFC a lot though on Saturdays? I'm sure they've run against UFC. Has an event pretty much most Saturday nights now. They don't always have a major paper smaller version fight on Saturday there. nights. Yeah, but even then, if you're if you're if you're Endeavor and you're getting paid by, you know, ESPN or whatever for your fight night events, why would you also run competing content? And you certainly wouldn't run competing content if we're talking about a, 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 a rights deal that maybe is combined between UFC content and, and WWE content, like we talked about like with the streaming partner, as something that could potentially arise. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd question that. But the idea of Raw moving from Monday night, which Miller uses the logic of, well, Monday night's a tough night for television. You've got Monday night football. You've got the college football national championship game, you know, which is of course only one night a year, That's but that also is on first Monday night. Week of September, yeah. Um, it's the first week of January. Um, That's college true. football. They also the go against. They also game. go against college football on the like the first, the last week before Monday night football starts. They always go against college football on that day once a year. Yeah, um, but I'm sure you know it's interesting because I'm sure WWE hasn't. It's not like Monday night. Football is a new thing. It was on the air well before Monday Night Raw. So the idea that Monday night is a very competitive television night is not new. Well, they could do better, I suppose. But right, the, but would you? I don't breaking think like, that tradition you, is would be pretty big. I would think. Um, right, and also like Raw is it really Monday Night Raw really is an institution, and would the benefit of moving to a Tuesday night or moving to a Wednesday night? Um, like that, the the change from that institution day to a different random day of the week, um, would that really be worth it? Would you do better on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night? Um, I think I think the answer is, if, if like anything, if it's for the right price, maybe. And we're open to, to everybody's open to the conversation about right. well, about will will you have us on your network and how much would you pay for that? But a network would want to theoretically like, he, and he talks about this in relation to Warner Brothers Discovery purchasing. But it's not the like well, like what is on TNT or TBS on Monday nights? It's not like basketball is on TNT on Monday, right? That's it's on Tuesday and Thursday on TNT. So right. 
why is Monday – why would Monday even be a problem theoretically because for the, TNT? Because of the competition on Monday night. Sure. Right? Which is and, – and that's why I didn't really buy it. And also, like why would TNT and TBS – if we accept those as being the most likely networks to host Monday Night Raw, I guess you could move it to True TV or, or something somewhere else. But if it's on TNT or TBS, what night of the week are they going to put Raw on? Because if they buy Raw and they don't want to put it on Monday night, are they going to put it on Tuesday? And they're not going to put it on Tuesday and Thursday because they have the NBA. Right. Are they gonna, they, maybe they replace Dynamite with Wednesday night. I, th- I think if Vince is resistant to moving Monday night at all, I think you'd be extra resistant to moving to a replacement of Dynamite's time slot on 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Um, and, and I think and, it's it's a question of well, if, if there were actual discussions about this. And, and, and first of all, I wouldn't be that skeptical of the idea of WBD exploring it, just like I'm not that skeptical of many possible suitors exploring the idea of mm-hmm. buying or doing some sort of company transaction with, with WWE. It doesn't cost that much to investigate it and explore that interest. Making it actually happen is a totally different thing um, versus exploring it or even bidding on it. So if this was something that realistically was going to happen, which I don't really buy, especially in light of this Fightful report, it would be a situation where WWE would, I would think would say, well, what would make the deal interesting to us is if we had a exclusivity. We don't want to be on a network that has our, our competitor that we in public never admit is our competitor. We got blinders on, by the way. And maybe that would make it worth it. And and I just – that's a huge hurdle. Why would – I don't believe that AEW is going to let – or w, WBD is going to let go of AEW um, anytime soon. I think maybe they would be open to the idea of having both. But I don't think they're going to drop one for the other. I think so. Right. Um, Do you think, though, they're being a little proactive in case somebody outbids them for AEW? Like, maybe they're interested just by that? You know? Could be, but it seems seems pretty remote, I think. It also also seems against the tide of – and they kind of admitted this on the podcast. It seems against the tide of everything we're hearing about Warner Brothers Discovery, which is that they're really trying to cut back. And they're really trying to figure out what kind of content they're willing to pay for and the idea of them spending. Well, we should, we should mention, too, this was sort of mentioned in the context of maybe they lose NBA. And in that case, Tuesday and Thursday is open. Right. And right. a lot of money is open. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Anything else to add there? No, I think that's no. it. So more news. Here we are. It's the United Center. Uh, this report coming from The Observer. I've got a summary of it from... John Pollock of post-wrestling. Post uh, the pending return of CM Punk appears to have a location. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer reports that AEW has booked the United Center in Chicago for Saturday, June 17th, which is expected to feature Punk's return. Um, Dave, I guess that's that's the, the main part of it. Should I read the rest of this? Uh, Dave wrote, as things stand now, the return of CM Punk is scheduled for June 17th, for the June 17th show in the United Center in Chicago, which being a Saturday show is likely the debut of the new weekly show. The rumor of the new show name is AEW Collision, based on a trademark the company took out some time back when the talks with WBD for the new Saturday show got serious. At press time, everything was not finalized, but the building is booked, and it likely will be announced very shortly when the Punk deal and the TV deal are finalized. Obviously, the building deal and with the building deal in place, the TV deal either has to either be done or they must be almost certain of it. The decision on Punk returning was made many weeks ago, although there was a snag two weeks ago that Dave may or may not have been somewhat tangentially involved in. Back th- that was uh, 
Evidently, that has evidently been worked out. Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men Podcast reported a June return for Punk in conjunction with the start of AEW's yet-to-be-announced Saturday show, which is expected to be called Collision. Punk has been off AEW programming since September, since uh, All Out and the backstage fight happened. The United Center uh, housed Punk's debut in August 2021, the debut of Rampage, where they did 14000 paid and a gate of $658,000. Uh, so this, this sounds not obviously not confirmed by AEW, but virtually certain that there's going to be a new show debuting on June 17th, one year, one year to the date when Vince McMahon came on, uh, SmackDown and said, uh, welcome to SmackDown. Uh, and CM Punk's going to be there. Maybe it's a soft roster split, but, um, sounds like this is somewhat at the insistence of, of the network too, that they want CM Punk back on their television because he's proved to be a pretty significant ratings draw. So any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, bef- I really don't want to get too into the weeds on like our potential roster split and things like that, because we don't really know if any of that's actually going to happen. But the idea that the network is insistent on CM Punk returning or equally is willing to give, Tony a lot of money for a new show built around CM Punk in some capacity or the relationship between the network wanting CM Punk to come back does make help rationalize the kind of backstage reports and rumoring rumors that we hear about um, whether or not CM Punk is going to come back, whether or not he can come back without really smoothing things over with the elite, whether CM Punk can come back and still maybe some be unpopular backstage all of those the reasons why cm punk would be able to do all that would be because he is very very valuable to AEW and very very valuable to potentially millions of dollars of extra revenue coming in from a new television show um and that does help explain a lot of those things yeah i'm, I'm searching to see if we have a poll star number for this uh united center show from from last year uh two years ago actually but we don't doesn't look like and this does i'm really interested in seeing if this does come to fruition just what kind of schedule we're talking about here during that period of the year for aw because they're going to be launching this new show collision mm-hmm. on saturday in chicago at the united center they're basically going to try to do the first the first dance again does it sell uh, out i have no idea i think I'd say no yeah i think it's 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 certainly not that that rampage show in August 2021 that sold out based on a rumor, an unconfirmed rumor that that Punk would be there, which he he was there. Um, that was his debut. Um, but I think the there's yes, this has become a big wrestling media story. I don't know what that means in terms of cons, you know consumption of tickets in in the Chicago area. It is his hometown. If there is a town. There's a, a a market where he's going to be a strong draw. It's going to be here in Chicago, um, but fourteen thousand paid like like it was last time, N- not avidly. They're not going to eat him up. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, and has CM Punk damaged his drawing ability and his popularity with some of the fans um, due to his actions? That's something that I would keep in mind. I definitely think like the show would be a successful show in the sense I think we'll do a pretty strong rating. I think there'll be a lot of discussion and hype for it, but whether or not I don't, it's definitely, it doesn't, it, the magic isn't going to be there. Like the, the magic of the show last year where 
the show just opens up and CM Punk comes out for the first time and gets that gigantic reaction and fans are crying and things like that. That magic, that can only be done once. It cannot be um, replicated. And I would be, I'd wonder if like, we're going to watch this happen and it's going to be like this weird dollar store version of that rampage from last year. Um, It's a very interesting. So they're running that show in at the United center on that Saturday they're running a smaller venue in Chicago on Wednesday, the Wintrust Arena, that following Wednesday. And then next, the, the Sunday after that, a few days after that, Dynamite, they have Forbidden Door in Toronto. Um, so are they going to run another taping of Collision the day before? It, it raises um, a lot of questions. Door? schedule is for this. Right now, they do Dynamite every Wednesday. And usually they're taping Rampage after the Dynamite taping. Um, it raises, raises a question about a, a lot of things. Like what, what is, are, are, is there going to be a second weekly arena taping for AEW? If that's the case, that's raising AEW's expenses quite a bit. Secondly, is this something that AEW is going to receive an immediate raise in media rights from WBD because of, I don't believe for a second that they got a significant raise when they started doing Rampage. Rampage, a third hour of in-ring content was part of their original agreement mm-hmm. made in January 2020. Um, I don't believe they got a huge raise, if anything, for doing Battle of the Belts, an extra hour of content four times a year. Um, but this is, if they have to do a second touring date per week, that's that's hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in expenses easily. Um, so, it, Do you think... Do you think it's possible that there that collision is not a weekly show? Could it be something like bi-weekly or once a month? If if the if there's reports and there's people who believe that this is going to be a soft roster split, that sounds like people on different tours to me. That is that does that because otherwise everybody's in the same locker room, everybody's going to the same venue. And if you want to keep these parties away from each other who, who don't like each other and don't want to work with each other, um you you're probably not bring them to the same tapes. It could be that, but that's not what it sounds like according to these reports. Right. Well, we should get, I mean, we're going to find out really soon and we should also end up seeing subsequent touring dates. Right. We know they have that. It's in Regina, um, Saskatchewan. Yes. Saskatchewan is another presumed taping. And that was kind of thought of, oh, that will be the first one before this rumor about the United Center popped up. Um, do you think that, okay, so uh, I think we CM, we all know that CM Punk is a big star. And, and that's that a July CM- 8th date, just just to place that. So that's a few weeks after the, 7th, right. the June so 17th should, date in if Chicago. If it's a weekly show, we're going to need It's not to days. say there couldn't be dates in between, obviously, but that, yeah. Right. Um, well, I'm just thinking with Forbidden Door, the Sunday before, they're going to have to do a taping probably live the night before. Will they, where is that going to be? Is that going to be at the... Um, the Scotia Bank Arena, where they're taping for Bindor, that would make the most sense, right? They're already doing do another another Scotia Bank show the day before, right? With collision, I um, mean that that show sold out, so it might not hurt. Yeah, you'll get people in town, and if it, you do something like a big CM Punk announcement or something like that, if you're already um, set up there, I was going to ask. CM Punk is a big star, certainly, and he's certainly the kind of wrestler that, on paper, you would want to kind of build a show around if you were to pick someone on the AEW roster that has to anchor their own show, you'd probably pick CM Punk based on drawing ability. Are you concerned at all about CM Punk's ability to stay healthy? Yes. Because I would be, I would be very afraid of building, oh, okay, this is going to be the CM Punk show for a guy that has had two very significant injuries. Um, and his second injury 
came in the second match after his return to injury. After he had his one first real match, right? Yeah. His first first match of that was like more than four minutes in length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe you know, was that just a fluke stuff? Was that a fluke thing? Certainly, his original injury where he hurt his leg jumping into the crowd, you could argue, is very much a fluke injury. But he's he's over forty years old. How old? He, how old is like he? Forty four, forty five at this yeah. point. So he's old. He's you know he didn't wrestle for ten years, which probably helped him physically to a degree. Although he did do some MMA fighting. He's forty four. Um, He'll be forty five in October. His, I'd be, you know, I'd be, that's a, I mean, that's a real, regardless of the new show or not, like CM Punk's ability to stay healthy and his ability to wrestle on a consistent basis has to be a question mark. Um, and that's and, and to be fair, he did about. wrestle a lot before he, he got right, the, the foot year, injury. His first year in AEW, you would say he held up very well. He wrestled on a pretty regularly basis. It wasn't like he only wrestled like four matches. He was wrestling pretty regularly on, on, on television. Um, so if you could get him back on that schedule for collision, that would be fine. But I, I, it would, I would be worried about putting all of my eggs on the Saturday show on CM Punk being the big star to kind of anchor the show. And then Dynamite can be, you know, the more typical AEW show with the, with the elite and, and other talent um, and being so heavily reliant on that one individual star when that one individual star is, you know, getting up there in age and has, has suffered some serious injuries and has missed a considerable amount of time since he was first signed with the company. Um, in addition to the fact that the guy's a loose cannon um, that might just walk out of the company at any minute. That's something that has to be a real concern. And, and I hope Tony is ready to take that risk. If he's in fact going to build a lucrative new Saturday night show all around him. And I want to piggyback on that with the Saturday night thing. And I want to kind of talk about ratings um, Saturday night, whether it's at six o'clock, eight o'clock, wherever it's going to be, I, I mean, that's not a great place to be because uh, Saturday night people are usually out or they're at live sporting events where it might be. And if in, in prime time, there's basically no other choice. Though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's no other choice. So, like, can CM Punk carry this to have similar ratings to Dynamite? And, you know, this, what does this also say about Rampage? Like, why not try to get Rampage maybe to an earlier slot in TBS instead of TNT? And and do that as your second brand instead of create a whole third, uh, you know, show here. So we we did see the the, the trademark as is mentioned in the report that we just read. There was a trademark filed, I believe, in February about this. We got the the Times New Roman mark AEW Collision, which which I have verified is spelled with two eyes in it. I've made that error earlier this week. Um, but uh, so just just look to look at the ratings. I want, I want to think about the time slot and the rating that this show might be capable of. Um, the, this we were seeing on the screen for people watching in video is the entire monthly average history of Dynamite and, and Rampage ratings and total viewership. So if you look at this, this is the entire history going back to October 2019 when Dynamite debuted and looking at the entire history of Dynamite is fairly stable. And obviously they've had a lot of external uh, effects in terms of NXT going head to head with it for the first year and several year about year and a half, and then when NXT went away, uh, AEW of course did better. CM Punk came along and others came along. Uh, it did even a little bit better, uh, but of course Rampage started out with a massive average of over eight hundred thousand viewers for the first half month of of August and has fallen down from there. Um, it is doing better so far in April than it was in two prior months, but it's it's averaging around 500,000. Now, some of that, I, I think I might actually still be excluding the 
So I'm probably only looking at maybe one or two episodes of Rampage here. Anyway, I think I'm excluding that big episode that they did this past Friday. Not this past Friday, but two Fridays ago when they had a massive NBA play-in game lead-in. Um, but anyway, I mean, Rampage is struggling to do 500,000 viewers, sometimes struggling to do 400,000 viewers. That's on Friday, not a great weekday. It's at 10 o'clock, not a great time. We're talking about a Saturday show that I'm sure will be treated as very special at first. At what time on Saturday is a big question. Are we talking about 6.05 or 6, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern, like the old um, Saturday night WCW show? And uh, even before that, Georgia Championship Wrestling show was on at uh, on TBS. I expect this is going to be on TBS or TNT, one of, the, one of the two. I don't think this is a true TV show. So... Is 8 o'clock better? I don't know if 8 o'clock is better because if 8 o'clock, if you do 8 o'clock, you're going to be going against WB PLEs at times, at least, you know, once, once a month or something like that. So maybe 6 o'clock is safer or 7 o'clock is, is, is a better time slot because you won't have to worry about that competition once a month. And I don't, I haven't looked at, you know, ratings on a, on a grander scale to say, is six or seven better than eight on a Saturday? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not that different. Um, that's true on Sunday when it comes to sports on Sunday. That Sunday afternoon is just as good as Sunday primetime for live sports in a lot of cases. In some cases, even better. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that's the time. And people are maybe more likely to be around Saturday at 6 p.m. than they are at Saturday at 8 p.m. Certainly in the key demo, I would suggest that may be the case. So I, I guess my question is, you know, a couple months into this, three months into this, is this show doing better than Rampage is doing on Friday at 10? Um, I don't think it's going to do as well as Dynamite. Um, and second to that is the addition of, I mean, is this going to be a one-hour show? I don't I don't think it would be a two-hour show but if you're doing another taping i don't know um it's at least a one-hour show is adding another hour of primary this is not an hour of dark elevation this is another hour of cm punk content is this gonna have have a, a negative impact on dynamite and or rampage because of the the addition of content here i mean historically if you look at things of like what was raw rating before SmackDown started, or what was WCW Nitro doing before Thunder was added, it would suggest that more content uh, and adding a B show can hurt the people's willingness to watch the A show. Um, what did our friend Eric Bischoff say? You know, what what really caused a lot of problems for them was the beginning of that Thunder show. Sure, and yeah, and I would say that's probably the only reason you could say that WCW struggled. Correct. <laughs> Just the addition of Thunder was really. Um, well. Or yeah. pop the balloon there. I mean, you had a, a number of amazing talents there. So, well, mm-hmm. you had Hulk Hogan, you know, the biggest draw in the history of wrestling. You had Eric Bischoff, creative genius promoter. He certainly couldn't have been put at fault for that. Um, so, you you would suggest that. I mean, if it's a roster split and it's appealing to different people, if it's going to be CM Punk and FTR and it's going to be the good old boy, two hours of television and Dynamite is going to be the elite and the 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 flippy do guys hour two hours of television. Maybe you appeal to completely separate audiences. Um, but I think as for me, selfishly as a viewer, I'm not necessarily clamoring for more AEW content. I think I have enough to watch each week and more of the content rides the potential of making me think, I, I just don't want to watch any of it because I can't keep up with all of it. 
And I do think that's somewhat of a real feeling. I do think some fans will just watch what they want to watch and not watch what they don't want to watch. But the idea of being, I have to watch all of this stuff. Ooh, that's too complicated. I'm going to stop watching altogether is a psychology thing that might take place for some viewers. I did talk about and had the suspicion that the, the addition of Rampage would have uh, an, an attrition effect on Dynamite. But we certainly, like to, to the naked eye here, we don't see that here. Dynamite, since the beginning of Rampage, is fairly stable, I would say. And mm-hmm. the, the, the moderate decline we've seen in Rampage ratings of late, I would say it, the biggest thing is, is the lack of CM Punk rather than, I don't know, the, the, the addition of Rampage and, and the fall of Rampage as feeling like prime content that you can't miss. Um, right, and that's that's kind of there's some irony in play here in the sense that if your rampage is pretty easy to hand wave if you're an AEW fan, yeah. So it almost in some ways doesn't feel like it's overwhelming amount of content. It just feels like supplemental content the same way that AEW Dark does, um, as opposed to if we're going to put a real concerted effort into making AEW Collision on Saturday nights an A show or one A show, um, then that then that might end up playing a bigger role i think the fact that rampage has kind of declined in its importance to most viewers has made it less that that effect less impactful when it comes to perhaps skewering aw viewers or dynamite viewership lower right because rampage is uh, you can skip it because it's not that important it's on at this time slot that might be difficult to watch live at um and nothing really happens on Rampage that you have to watch to understand you know what's going on in aw presumably that's going to be very different with Collision, especially if CM Punk is there. Um, if we assume that Collision is a one-hour show, um, this would put the total hours of what I might call core content, the the main content, at four, with two for Dynamite, one for Rampage, one for Collision. Um, that's still short of even the, the combination of Raw and SmackDown, right? Because that's, that's only four hours of weekly content. That's not the five that main roster W is putting out. And then if you add NXT to that, of course, you're at seven. Um but a lot of content, and I think the, the the theme here, and I think what we're what we're learning, uh, and by by the way, we'll we'll probably I would think get this confirmed on if not on then around May seventeenth, which is the day of WBD's upfronts. That is that is a day to mark on your calendar. Be there at at the MSGs. It's the Hulu Theater still. Um, if if you can make it for the WBD upfronts, this is where I Will expect. Will you be traveling down to New York City, Brandon, for the WBD upfronts? If we, if I get enough subscribers, uh, maybe. Uh, not planning on it though. I don't know if I could get access. I don't, I don't know if David Zaslav uh, will will give me media access or not. But maybe I would look into it. Um, but I would think this is where we're going to have it confirmed. Maybe right on stage there uh, on Wednesday, May May seventeenth. Um, and maybe I wouldn't even be surprised if we maybe get some news that uh, there's some sort of AEW content that's going to be happening on Max. The combined HBO Max and Discovery, which is uh, launching, I guess, or or HBO Max is being officially rebranded, beginning on May 23rd, just a few days later. My my guess, no information. My guess would be that all in show in the UK is going to be streamed live on Max as a as a great way to experiment to see how many users, how much engagement can AEW convert for this streaming service. Um, that's what I would look for. Maybe, maybe we learn about that near that date too. Um, so again, if you have a question or comment, feel free to put in a super chat. Um, but I think one of the things we're learning here is sort of when, when I'm listening to all these media podcasts about the upcoming rights renewals 
and, and the big, big one on the horizon for the broader media market is the NBA that everybody wants to talk about. I mean, it's the number two sports brand in all of media behind the NFL, at least in the U.S. Um, and they, they talk a lot about, especially when it comes to baseball, the tonnage baseball has, not just 80 games, 162 games or whatever it is per year, just an enormous amount of content. Um, and as much as there may be a cost for fans in, in the case of wrestling by the, the big one that everybody's familiar with is raw going from two hours to three hours and, and how much of a burden viewers at least anecdotally claim that is. And we do see, see a, a great deal of tune out from nine o'clock to, to 10 o'clock often for that show is just, th there's a value in creating more content for this network because it gives them more content that they can put on their platforms and they can monetize and justify ad, ad sales and, uh, and carriage fees perhaps. Um, and I think what we're going to see now that we're in this time with for WB, where they're certainly in in the, the first refusal window for Fox and for NBC Universal, I think especially in AEW's case, and, and true probably too for WB, is that obviously WB and, and AEW are looking for big in increases. But they're not going to just get increases because they're great. Because they, they they still do pretty good viewership in an environment where traditional TV viewership is declining. These networks are going to make them give them something to get a strong upgrade, which they both probably will get, an, get a strong upgrade. But they're going to have to give something back in return for more money. Um, and I think for, for AEW, that, that is probably going to mean another show. And I've heard people talk this week about, well, maybe this means the, the, the introduction of AEW Collision. Maybe that means that gradually AEW Rampage will go away and that will relieve us from the burden of all this weekly content that we have to watch. I mean, don't count on it. Um, I think AEW Rampage will stick around. And if I'm speculating, you know, I talked about it on Thursday. There are all of these windows that for AEW, they don't have any, they don't have any, uh, they have nothing on a live streaming service. They have nothing even on a next day streaming service like Hulu. People are always asking, how can I watch Dynamite and Rampage the next day? Especially if I don't have a traditional TV, I'm not recording it on my DVR. You can't unless you're a pirate. And, and that's kind of really unheard of right now in the world of episodic television. Like pretty much any show that's on television, that's on basic cable or premium cable. Has People have raised this about, about Impact in New Japan, too, and, and there's no yeah. deal that Access has putting those shows on any other streaming service. I mean, really, WWE is the only one of a wrestling right. company. Right, but you think of every other show on TBS yeah. and TNT, I assume that those um, can be viewed next day on some other platforms. Um, I know it's true for, like, I'm trying to think of shows I watch. I know it's true for, like, Comedy Central shows. What original programming does TNT and TBS have at this point? That's still on. I think. I think. Did, did Zaslav kill them all? He, he killed mean, a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, like Impractical Jokers uh, would be seems to be one that they push. They have those documentaries. Is series. Snowpiercer still a show that that TNT airs? I believe um, Snowpiercer is done. You uh, I believe this they aired the final season. I'm trying to think of the episode, the uh, commercials that I see. Um, they have like the game shows, like with Dwayne Wade, the bot, the Cube. Is that what it's called? The Cube. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know about Impractical Jokers. I know, I like, I know on Comedy Central, which is another WBD property. Viacom. Those... Comedy Central. That's not. No, no, that's that's uh, Paramount. Is it? Let's 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 see what the internet says. Who owns Comedy Central? Viacom, Paramount. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I guess I was using that. I was using that as an example because I know South Park is a show that I watch on streaming, like the day after it airs on Comedy Central, and that's on. Is it on Pro Paramount? That's on. No, it's on HBO Max. 
Okay. South Park has a different deal with Paramount Plus, which is much more complicated. You got Yellowstone's on Peacock. All all these right. things are, are cross licensed. Right. I guess. I guess kind of early. In the I streaming guess. Days, I my think. point is, is that like pretty much anything that airs on, I feel like basic cable as episodic television. Yeah. Has an next station. Has, has right? an on demand on demand yeah. streaming source. If I want to watch the Vanderpump Rules, I wonder. I'm going to look that up now. It's on Peacock. Yeah, I just saw it Is earlier it? today. I believe so. It's on Peacock. Okay, so there you go. There's another one. They're AEW's now chief rival in addition to the NBA. Vanderpump yeah. Rules, and and that, that's on Bravo. So that's on that's an NBCU, right? right. Yeah. So so that's self distributed. Um, yeah. Right. So it's it's very it's very unusual to have not have those next day rights, especially because WWE has set up that as as has had been on Hulu for. Probably what a decade now, long time. Yeah, like they've been on Hulu a really long time. I remember watching yeah. episodes of ECW yeah. WWE oh, really? on Hulu. Okay, um, that's longer yeah. than I, I I can remember watching you know, NXT before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, on Hulu. Um, but I, but I think what we might see is some sort of addition of W content, perhaps on Peacock. Um, my my, my latest expectation. This will probably go opposite of what our, what we're, what we did on our prediction show at the end of the year, but. My latest expectation is that Raw and SmackDown will stay with their their current incumbents, but who knows? Um, but I do think there's a good chance that we're going to see, not necessarily by next month that they're up up fronts, but by the time they renew, presumably at the end of 2024, beginning of 2025, um, maybe the Max. I keep saying the Max. Maybe Max is is the home for next day, Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, as we've discussed before. Maybe Rampage is, is goes directly to to the to, to a live stream on Max, and isn't uh, isn't primarily on on TNT at all. If you've got another show that's already on, Some, on the somebody network. in the um, in the chat, Captain Coons here has mentioned. Uh, I sometimes watch Dynamite and mm-hmm. Rampage next day on the TBS or TNT apps themselves. I've done that too. Yeah, there you go. There so, you yeah. go. But you have to so have that, a if you are a cable, cable subscriber. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But if you're a cord cutter or a cord never. Like I think all three of us, right? Have, has, have, Gull, have you ever subscribed to cable? Uh, I mean, years ago, yeah. I was. I mean, I, I was using other people's cable logins for a while. But were you paying for it? Though? Uh, w- or were you just being a, f- a freeloader? At, at one point, yes. <laughs> at one point, but but at other points, no. No. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna call the police. <laughs> okay. Um, I have never paid for cable myself. I do have access to cable, um, um, but only through. I don't have like a typical cable box. I have my parents. I've slinged them actually, so I, I, I'm not a cord. Gets to does sling or like Philo or... and things like that? Do they allow the next day content? Do they have next day content on there for things like sling? You can find it on demand. In okay. fact, if, if I don't DVR Dynamite, I can still search and sling and watch Dynamite. But you don't get the you don't get the original as J- Jason Purser and I know you don't get the original timestamps for the original yeah. commercials, which screws up your ability to do quarter hour labels. Because it's like Sling, Philo, and Fubo. Because the PlayStation one's gone, or they were doing that for a while. But yeah, well, there's there's YouTube TV. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's for uh, YouTube TV too. Okay, yeah. There's a few other ones I feel like that are out there. Um, as like kind of like yeah, it's weird like how I watch cable. Like right now, I have um, a bunch of apps on a Roku device, and they all have my parents' cable login connected to them. So I can kind of, I could basically watch any form of traditional cable television live, but I can't I don't I can't watch it like normally. I have to like go through different apps, yeah. um, and some of the apps work better than the others. Uh, the TBS and TNT app could use a little work. Mm. 
We have now, and according to this chart from insiderintelligence.com, we are now, it's 2023, and we have now entered the era where there are more TV households, households that have a TV, but don't have a traditional pay TV subscription. So that doesn't include, this is only traditional TV subscriptions, cable and satellite, no, no sling, no Hulu Live, no YouTube, no FUBU. FUBU, I keep saying. Yeah, FUBO. FUBO. FILO uh, is the other one, yeah. The, the point is, there are more non-pay TV households. There are more households without cable than with it. Um, so we'll see how that how that plays out for the profitability of, of cable TV networks in general and how that plays out and how that trickles downstream to sports TV rights fees. Um, but when it comes to, th- to thinking, I guess, about whether or not any of these players – are going to end up on a streaming service, particularly the, the, the big the big question I think is around SmackDown, whether or not Fox wants to keep SmackDown. Um, like I said, I, I think we might end up in a, I said on Thursday, we might end up with part of what WWE could give NBC Universal is rights to stream maybe select episodes or maybe something, maybe NXT exclusively. By the way, NXT is up this coming September, not next year, September, this coming September. So there'll probably be an announcement about that, if not in conjunction with the, the announcement about Raw and SmackDown, maybe earlier. But what, what SmackDown can't give Fox is a place to stream SmackDown. And I no, I don't think it's going to, to Tubi, Gullo. It's not happening. Um, Fox has a very different strategy than, than these others do, right? We're, I think we're familiar with the experience of watching NFL football on Paramount Plus, watching CBS right there on the streaming service. We've watched football or Premier League uh, live right on Peacock, right on NBC's Peacock. You can watch Fox football on the Fox app. On the Fox yeah. app. You can watch football. Yes. Yeah, I have. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I can watch stuff. Yeah, I can watch live sports on the Fox app on Roku. I believe I need a cable login. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that. Do you have to log in with a cable Yeah, provider? you do. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can watch TNT that way too, live. I think, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's how I watch Dynamite. Right, and I think that's different than I'm a cord cutter, not contributing to at least, or not using somebody's login who's contributing to to, to the cable subscription fees, uh, as opposed to I'm I'm paying you know five dollars for for Peacock or whatever the cost of Paramount Plus is, and and, I, and I'm watching the most valuable live sports properties in the system. Um, but Fox is not doing that. Fox is not putting those NFL games on Tubi, as far as I know. Um, and for, to go with these bar graphs for a second, and Brandon, this is something we, you've talked about a ton, is WWE has benefited from being on Peacock and having their premium live events uh, moved to Peacock because more that even though that number is significantly lower than some of the larger streaming platforms out there that 20 million people is still in much broader reach than they would have ever had under the traditional pay-per-view means and that is it's probably 10 times more than the peak of w network subscribers globally much less domestically yeah. it's like 20 so, times the peak of a domestic the domestic number. and that and that has probably played a role in helping wwe's business go forward not only are more people watching the ble's but because they are they're maybe getting more invested in the product and they're maybe spending more time watching raw and smackdown maybe they're more likely to buy tickets to a show when they're in town um and that kind of thing. Uh, I have a question about these bar graphs. HBO Max and Discovery, are you counting traditional HBO cable subscribers? Um, I'd have to look at the part of that As part of that 55 million, because um, um, there's kind of two ways you can subscribe to HBO Max, right? right? You can just have, you can be subscribed to HBO Max. I'm guessing or you can this is including 
Haven't people people who, ha- who pay for a cable subscription that includes HBO as part of their traditional cable subscription that also I, get access to HBO Max. I think the answer is yes. And I'm I, I'm sure that the net Netflix number of 67 million is going to come tumbling down to earth now that they have finally announced that they are ending their DVD through the mail system. Um, yes, certainly. It's a tragic day for the few of us who are left uh, using that service. When you combine those HBO Max discovery number, how, how like how much was the difference between the two? So the reason why this is out of order in terms of we have Netflix. Netflix is the biggest for people not watching video. Netflix is, is the biggest streaming service in terms of subscribers in the United States that there is by, by a pretty significant margin. And it's the oldest. The second biggest is Hulu, which is the second oldest. And Discovery, if you take the Discovery subscribers out of this, um, yeah. HBO Max by itself is below Hulu. Um, okay. Probably with, with its traditional TV subscribers, it's probably above Disney Plus, though, which is at 41 million. Okay. Yeah, I was curious how much, can I I ask, how much crossover there is, too, between Max and Discovery. Um, can I ask where Amazon Prime and Apple Plus are? And Amazon, Amazon Prime is obviously a unique – Amazon place. would be above any of these because there's like 80 million subscribers to Amazon Prime in the United States. But how many monthly active users are there? Probably a lot less than 80 million. So – Right. And, and I don't. And I'm like one of those people. I about this. I never watch Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Like I never. I'm just like, let's go see what's on that Amazon Prime. Right. But I will watch it on a very rare occasion if I'm looking for a movie or a TV show, and I Google where it's streaming. Oh, do you watch Thursday Night Football Prime. on it during the football season? Um. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't say like I'm a huge Thursday Night Football viewer. All those big games on Thursday night. The games have been very unappealing. So. Um, but I have turned it on. Uh, I probably turned it on about maybe a half dozen times uh, during the last football season. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, you know, going back to the chart, uh, talking about how like the um, the number of games like MLB has, right? They have 162 games. We have seen MLB cut up and add special games of the week um, to satisfy streaming servers that want their product. They have created content. You know, a few years yeah, ago they had. They had, you know, they had contracts with ESPN, they had contracts with Fox, and they had contracts with, um, you know, Time Warner. And since then, they, they have a special Apple TV showing of, of baseball. They have an, a, a separate Peacock uh, Sunday morning or Sunday Sunday at noontime baseball game. Uh, and, and I don't think there's any added. information about Apple TV subscribers that, that Apple is publishing, but I would expect mm-hmm. it to be the lower than anything on, on this chart, which the lowest is about 16 million for Paramount Plus. Is, this is my estimate based on their global number that they report. So, I mean, when we see the Nielsen chart, Nielsen publishes this The Gauge uh, donut chart every month, and it shows a, a really small uh, percentage of, of Apple TV viewership. It's smaller than it's, – it's like on the, on the level of a fast – uh, service yeah and to be fair for paramount plus i my most of my watching on paramount plus is me watching uh wbz our local cbs affiliate through the paramount plus app because like i said i just have a roku that has all these things as opposed to getting a broadcast antenna um i just watch you know and i watch sports and i watch jeopardy which airs on on, on that network locally and that's where I watch most of my Paramount Plus. I'm, so I'm watching traditional television on Paramount Plus as opposed to on-demand streaming. Um, and I wonder how that's fa- factored into viewership. So there's just like one point I want to make here. Is, as we come to this point where, according to this chart, again from Insider Intelligence, that we are now at the cross point basically where non-pay TV homes are greater in number or very close to equal in number 
versus pay TV homes. So what we have is roughly 70 million, maybe 75 million pay TV homes left in the United States um, out of something like 110, 120 million homes. So if you're on TNT, TBS, that's great because you're in virtually all of those homes. If you're on USA Network, you're in virtually all of those homes. Uh, if you're on Fox, you're on even a little bit more than that. But you're still missing out on tens of millions of other homes uh, that if you were on, which WPLEs are on, you're, you're able to reach a wider portion of the United States population in general. So just to, to, I think that really illustrates why WB has benefited to the extent that it has from having those PLEs on Peacock, even despite Peacock being relatively low on this list of who are the top streamers in the United States. I mean, Peacock's the second lowest on this list. It's only got more subscribers than Paramount. It's got less than ESPN Plus. But being on once a month on that service, I think has really helped them reach a, a wider audience or maybe reignite some interest that, ha that has, has contributed, along with perhaps better creative, to better business for them over the last uh, even before Vince left a couple of years. And there's something to the PLEs being on there, right? Because we talked about, you know, Raw and SmackDown are on Hulu. Why they've got a lot more subscribers than Peacock. Right. Does that play a role isn't in it? Or is that because it's Raw and SmackDown and they're probably not getting the same kind of viewership for next day Raw and SmackDowns as they are for the special pay-per-view events? And, and it's not as urgent programming, right? That the PLEs right. are, are the peak the thing that, that people are supposed yeah. to want to watch the most, and it's live for sure. Um, but I think it's it's, a, it's an advantage that WWE has being on Hulu and being on Peacock that AEW in no way touches, other, other than these sort of technical ways. Yes, you can if you if you have somebody's login, you can get on the TNT or TBS app and watch Dynamite or Rampage the next day. Um, but certainly in terms of something live, or even to make it easy access for people to watch Dynamite or Rampage the next day, there's no way without a lot, going through a lot of friction at a, at a minimum. So if, say in 2025, you end up with where's, – where's my table? If you end up with Dynamite and Rampage on Max the next day or maybe Rampage live on Max uh, and Collision on Max the next day, um, maybe, maybe the pay-per-views after 90 days on Max, I think that really helps AEW in, in an underrated way um, connect with more fans and leads to you know, a, a moderate amount of increased engagement in other areas of business. So there's that. Um, what else have we got here? If you're curious, if you're watching YouTube, this is the progression of U.S. subscribers for these major streaming services over time. There's not that much interesting here, I would say. They're all sort of in, the, in their own pathways here. It's not as if one has really overtaken another. Um, if we keep going here, what else have we got? We have questions to ponder. There's a good um, article by John Pollock uh, talking about the – the season that we're in here in terms of media rights fees um, on post wrestling, you should read it. I've retweeted it. If you're looking for a link to it. Um, I don't know if we want to go over, take all the time in the world. Cause we're, we're almost an hour into this already, but to address some of these questions, um, if Fox doesn't aggressively bid for SmackDown, does this become a streaming or linear play? And I, I tend to think that it's probably the best thing for WWE to stay with Fox, to, to stay, keep with SmackDown on Fox, because I think there continues to be a, it's a great support system for their ability to reach as many people, as many fans as possible. Um, and I think going to Amazon, the price has to be enormous. If that's the choice, Fox or Amazon, the price really has to be enormous uh, to move away. 
Would Amazon be interested in a WWE product, a pro wrestling product? Sure, why not? I don't know. We've talked about that with you know Apple, which obviously has a lot of brand name value. Um, perhaps not be interesting interested in pro wrestling or WWE. Um, Disney Plus, I assume, would not be interested in WWE programming. Highly um, doubt it. But but ESPN Plus maybe. Yeah, ESPN Plus. So I, I don't know where Amazon, which has never made any real seeming commitment at all in the pro wrestling sphere and doesn't also i don't think has like any combat sports um broadcasting either um would they be would is pro wrestling something that the amazon company is will is interested in bringing into its portfolio and much like apple they have enormous financial ability to pick and choose what kind of products they want to have they're not in a position like nbc universal where they're really clinging to a few of their major key cornerstone properties uh to keep things afloat Someone mentioned in the chat YouTube TV, and they did just obtain NFL Sunday Ticket, which they're going to run on a subscription service. I wonder if that's possibly something that maybe they look into wrestling as well, if the Sunday Ticket is a success for them. I think that's that's a reasonable player to think about in terms of the Hulu rights yeah. that are going to expire in concurrence with the live rights. Um, and I think we, we, we hear about Amazon being a player for NBA live rights, maybe. And with the, the decline of the RSNs, the regional sports networks, um, there's probably going to be more games that have national access for the NBA in the next round than ever, um, mm-hmm. especially if, you know, if NBC wants a piece and if Amazon wants a piece. They're, you know, th- this, this era where you can, only, um, you can only get the games through um, like NBA TV or something like that may, may, be, uh, may be declining somewhat. Um, but I think – Yeah, Am- like we said – with MLB, MLB created additional special, you know, national weekly games for Apple TV and for Peacock. There's nothing stopped. The NBA has plenty of games that they could easily slot on to. They could have a Sunday afternoon game on Peacock. They could have a Wednesday night NBA night uh, on, on, I guess that's an ESPN night, but they could find different times in the schedule to throw stuff on, um, for, for all streaming partners, I'm sure they'd be happy for any check they want to get. Um, yeah. I've even heard you know, discussion of like may, maybe NBA games get distributed somewhat the way that NFL games get distributed in that, you know, if if I'm in Buffalo, uh, I'm going to get the Bills game on some network. I'm, I'm a, you, you in, a, in a bigger market may get some bigger market team games with the, the, the Jets or the Giants or something like that. But in my smaller market, I'm going to get my team. Um the Buffalo doesn't have an NBA team for me to, for me to draw a, a comparison no. with. But if you're in Rest Boston, the Buffalo Braves. Yes. Yeah. But if you're in Boston, maybe you're, you're going to get the Celtics game on your local affiliate. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe something like that happens if RSNs are not there to, to make the best use of that. Right. And so the RSN collapse, we're talking a lot about like the Sinclair and Bally sports, diamond sports. And yeah. yes, but are, is that, is that more of an isolated incident or is that the start of a bigger trend? I think that's the start of a bigger trend is the impression right. I get. So I know the in Boston, our Red, the Red Sox games are broadcasted locally on a network that is owned by the team, the, the, the Fenway Sports Group. Is that um, Nesson or is that something else? That's Nesson. Okay. And so they've so and I, I imagine that those aren't going anywhere. Um, and obviously, like the Yankees are on, yes, Yankee Network. And the Knicks, I know, in New York are on the MSG, MSG yeah. Network, which again. So, so in, in some of these are going to be more durable than others. I guess. 
Uh, we'll address uh, maybe one or two more of these. The, the effect, uh, John Pollock writes in these questions to ponder, the NBA effect on WBD, NBC Universal, and other bidders, including the streamers, when it comes to spending. Um, something that Lightshed analysts, including Brandon Ross, have pointed out is that and he, he's pointing to that comment that Lachlan Murdoch, who's the CEO of Fox, made on the Morgan Stanley TMT uh, earnings, not earnings, but the Morgan Stanley uh, TMT conference, where he says – you know, they're, they're, they're ready to talk to WWE when they're ready to talk. This is a couple months ago now. And he said it depends on what our other moves are in sports, something to that effect. And the speculation is that, well, maybe they want NBA too. Um, that, that would put virtually every major um, media conglomerate, I guess with the exception of Paramount, uh, in, into play here with being interested in NBA uh, rights. And if Fox wants to... to save money to, to pay for NBA, which is coming after WWE. Maybe that's something that plays into them not bidding as aggressively for SmackDown because, oh, we can, we can not, we can pass on SmackDown and we can open up Friday and maybe that opens up a slot and opens up money for us to attribute towards NBA games. Um, I'm not sure if I buy that, that that's going to happen, but doesn't mean it's not something that they're considering as an option. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet, smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, yes. So. We have a super chat that's just on media rights sure. here, so might as well just. Uh, uh, Big Time Baxter asks, with cord cutting, do you think uh, it's likely or unlikely Raw will maintain its core audience of over 1.5 million in three to four years uh, since they've been steady since 2020? I think it's more likely that they, that TV ratings continue to decline. Like you can almost always bank on that. Um, now, live sports, especially if you forget about wrestling, live sports in general have held up better, certainly better than scripted content, and have held up better than wrestling. We only have a few years of AEW to, to look at. We were just looking at the Dynamite chart a little while ago, and yeah, there's some external effects, but by and large, it's kind of flat. Um, although year over year right now, for sure, they're down uh, several percent. The problem with, with WWE is there's the headwind of cord cutting, and it's hard for – I don't know if it's hard for me to parse. I think you know, WWE generally had a, genuinely had a decline in popularity from 2016 or 17 to 2019. That's independent, obviously, of the pandemic, and we saw that somewhat expressed in TV ratings, but also saw it in other consumer metrics that don't have the same kind of headwinds. All that aside, even if WWE Creative – does a great job of sustaining the fans that they have. There's, it's still a really strong headwind to go against. That is the decline in the number of homes you're able to reach. Um, and I think wrestling is not like other live sports in being as DVR proof and being as, as great a maintainer of viewers as other sports are because wrestling is, is somewhat DVRable. Uh, as opposed to live sports, very, very, very few people watch basketball, baseball, football on DVR. 
in comparison to the 10, 20, 25% of viewership of wrestling that is happening via DVR. All of that, I think, makes it, makes WWE as well as AEW something that's more prone to be affected by cord cutting versus other live sports. I think that there definitely is a role WWE can play. If we're talking about WWE, there's a role that they can play creatively and helping stem that momentum being lost. I think you're right that this is a strong headwind because you're not only trying to convince people just to watch your show on a regular basis, you're trying to convince them to watch your show and also continue to pay hierarchy at Bull Cross as it becomes less and less fashionable and popular to do so. Um, And less and less stuff outside of wrestling remains on cable for you to want to watch besides and just, and as we're seeing players like NBC and Paramount kind of cheat and put their best content on streaming. What do I need? Mm -hmm. What do I need to pay this $80 for a month? And also do, or do dual casts that you can watch both on television and on streaming. The, um, I do think like better creative and, and we've seen that recently can help turn things around if you can get a wrestler like Cody Rhodes over and keep that momentum going. Um, that helps, you know, live attendance post WrestleMania has been really strong so far and the advances on ticket sales for WWE shows remain very strong. We'll see where the ratings settle in as far as what kind of is their post WrestleMania norm. Um, they obviously did some very, very impressive numbers right before WrestleMania and obviously the raw after WrestleMania, We'll see where they kind of settle down into, um, if that's higher or lower than kind of last year. And that will give us some some sort of idea because I think most people would consider that the product is better right now and has been better right over the last few months than it was at this time last year. And so we can see and we know live attendance is up. So we'll see if actually being more popular um, and pre- presenting a better product uh can make a significant difference in kind of fighting against the cable decline uh, and how successful that is. Okay. Got super chats for now, right? Um, So I teased doing something like this a few weeks ago. We didn't get to it, but we're, we're, I'm, I'm, these, these parties are not going to be silenced anymore. They're not going to be censored one more week here. We have hot takes coming in from two of the um, most talked about, um, individuals in, in all of technology right now. And we have some takes from chat AI bots that want to weigh in on AEW and WWE TV rights deals. Uh, so we have, 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 have you, um, you guys probably have not messed with, with the Google Bard chat bot, have you? No, I've just messed with ChatGPT. That's the only one I messed with. But you've signed up for ChatGPT. ChatGPT is coming later. That's the main event. What we have here is the opening act, uh, Bard, which you you sign up for just like ChatGPT. You have to be on a waiting list for a minute, and then they let you in. Um, So Bard, I asked, what did I ask Bard? I I told Bard to write a few opinionated paragraphs on what the outcome of WWE's U.S. live TV rights renewals will be. Specifically, predict which media partners WWE will sign with, what networks Raw and SmackDown will air on as a result. I made some typographical errors here. And the average annual value of any new deals. I didn't ask this to ChatGPT directly, by the way, because this has to be something that's connected to the Internet, as people may know. ChatGPT does not know anything that happened after 2021. But Bard, Bard's Google. Bard's connected to the live Internet. And Bing, as we'll, who we'll talk with later, is also connected to the internet. Um, so, so Bard says this about WWE rights renewals. 
Uh, Bard believes that the WWE will sign new media rights deals with multiple partners. I think that the WWE is in a strong position to negotiate favorable deals, and I believe the company will receive a significant financial windfall from its partners. I also believe that the WWE's programming will air on a variety of different platforms. I think that the WWE will continue to air its programming on traditional cable TV, and I also believe that the company will make its programming available on streaming services and sports and sports betting platforms. It's going to air live on on um. DraftKings or something. Uh, I think the average annual value of W's new media rights deals will be significant. It's really not saying anything here. I think that W could earn as much as $1 billion per year from its new media rights deals. Well, okay. Well, that's a pretty big upgrade, right? Because they're making seven forty seven or no, four seventy right now. So that's a more than doubling. That's more that's that's more than two X increase. Uh, Bard goes on. I am excited to see what the future holds for the WWE. The, the World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think the company is in a strong position. I believe that it will continue to be successful for years to come. These are great truisms here. Maybe he's been, been, uh, been, been studying transcripts of Nick Khan interviews or something. Um, so I, it, was, it was pretty in, inconclusive. So I, so I, I followed up this, this non-answer with, with, a, with another question here. Name the networks and state your AAV prediction. Um, Bard went on this long sort of not, not really coherent uh, uh, response, and I, I, I'm abbreviating it here. Bard says, here are the networks I think WWE will sign new media rights deals with, and my AAV prediction, AAV stands for average annual value, by the way, uh, for each deal. USA Network, so I guess it's predicting that Raw will stay with USA Network. Prediction, $500 million. So that's an upgrade from 265. So that's almost a two X. Um, reasoning USA Network has been a successful partner. I think the network will be interested in renewing USA's mail bill. Okay, and then it says the other network is Fox. Presumably, Fox would keep SmackDown at 400, just over, no, just under two xing the 205 that it has now. Fox has been a successful partner. Blah blah blah. Large audience. Okay, so that's what. That's what Google thinks. That's what Bard thinks. Like basically a 2x increase, a very close to a 2x increase. And then, have either of you spoken with the Bing version no. of ChatGPT? You, you have to like, you have to use the Microsoft Edge browser to talk to Bing, to talk to the Bing chatbot, which is, which is really inconvenient. But of course they, because nobody wants to use this damn Microsoft Edge browser they make you use the Microsoft Edge browser, which they're always giving you prompts like, do you want to make that? You want to make this your default browser, right? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't want to make this my default browser. Golo probably does. Are you are you still using Edge? No, we were on Chrome. We're living that Chrome world. You were on. I, I converted. You, yes. I yeah. I was a Firefox guy. You're on Firefox. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Bing has has a more coherent response. I, I, I told Bing to make a prediction for the outcome of W's U.S. live rights renewals, uh, predict the media partners, tell me what networks we're on SmackDown are going to air on, tell me the average annual value. Bing says, my prediction for the outcome of W's U.S. live rights renewal is as follows. WWE will renew its deals with NBC Universal and Fox for Raw and SmackDown, respectively, as both networks have expressed interest in keeping the shows and have the right of first refusal. This is a pretty informative answer. Uh, pretty, pretty knowledgeable, I would say. WWE will also seek a significant increase in lot in value of its TV rights as its ratings have been resilient and the overall amid the overall decline of linear TV. WWE has uh, will also explore a joint streaming deal with UFC, which is part of the same parent company, Endeavor. This would allow both brands to leverage their combined fan base and content library 
and potentially attract a bigger offer from a streaming platform such as Amazon, Netflix, or Disney Plus. Yeah, right. Uh, WWE's current streaming deal with Peacock expires 2026, but NBCU may try to renew it early. As a result of these negotiations, I expect WWE to secure an average annual value of at least $500 million for its U.S. live rights and another three hundred. million. For streaming, this would represent a significant increase in its current deals, which are worth 265 and 205 million per year for SmackDown, and 200 for per year for Peacock. So, its statements about what the current deals are worth is accurate. Um, but saying that it's going to get a significant increase, which is going to be 500, which would only be up from 470, that's a pretty bearish response. That's that's like saying that I think that's less than a 1.1x increase. That Bing is predicting here. Um, w, the TKO stock price is not going to like that result if that's the outcome. No, I think the uh, the Bard AI would be much more favorable to WWE. I think Bing, Bing has better more. better background knowledge here and sounding yeah. like it knows what it's talking about. That's not important. We want to we want put, put the uh, put the Bard AI on CNBC <laughs> and have her do an interview with uh, to talk about the WWE's rights increase. Bing probably doesn't okay. count the ticket takers when it comes to attendance. <laughs> I will say George Barrios's talking during the WWE conference calls um, does make a lot more sense having read this AI bot discussion of WWE. Yes. Okay. And then what about AEW? That's what everyone wants to know. Write a short opinion, I told it, on, on what the outcome of AEW's live TV rights renewal will be. Specifically, I want to know which media partners AEW will sign with. What networks AEW programs will therefore air on as a result, and the average annual value of any of the deals. Bing says, I think AEW will renew its TV rights deal with Warner Brothers Discovery when it expires, 2023 or 2024. WBD seems very happy with AEW's performance and ratings. It's not an AEW doomer, and has shown its commitment by launching a new streaming service called Collision that will feature AEW content. Breaking some news here. Breaking some news. The the Bing AI bot telling us that Collision is not going to be it's a in Saturday fact, night a show. streaming service. So it's going oh, to be a streaming service cool. featuring AEW content. We'll, we'll work to confirm that. AEW will also benefit from staying with WBD as it will have access to a large and diverse audience across TBS, TNT, and True TV, as well as four quarterly specials on TNT. I estimate that AEW will get a significant increase in its annual value from the current $45 million to around $70 million based on the growth of its fan base and demand for its product. That's about a 1.5x increase, which is pretty close to being disappointing, I would say, for AEW in terms of what I imagine their budget needs to be. They are not using Dave Meltzer's math no. to, uh, to figure out what the a possible number is for that new show. Certainly not. Um, so I, I would almost call call this you know Bing is a kind of an, an AEW doomer when it comes to uh, to TV rights here and the future of AEW. Um, any, any anything else to add here while I take a drink? No, I think uh, it does does pose some interesting questions for our content generators of the future on the, the level of credibility the AI bot can write with. I got to say, though, they write great bios. I asked them to write a bio for me for my like comedy stuff, and it was much better than anything I can come up with. Does it, like, this is ChatGPT. Yes, ChatGPT, and it took, like, things I probably said. Does it know who you years. are? Yeah. Because I think I asked it if, if it knew who you were, and it was like, you got to tell me more about this person. I'm not sure who you're talking comedian, about. comedian, ring announcer, this and that. But my ring announcer one's completely wrong because it says I worked for the NWA and Impact. <laughs> that's, that's never happened. So. Okay. Um, okay. I thought about um, especially the Bing bot because the Bing thing – I won't pull it up here. But like you can 
it has like a different like sidebar option where you can like tell it to write an email, to write a blog post. You can you can change the tone, professional, you know, informal, funny, or something like that. And you can change the length from like short, medium, long. So I've I don't know that I'll do this, but I thought about like I should have like an AI week where I just have AI bots write like business articles about you know you should replace me and gullo with one of us could be the bing bing ai bot and one can be the google <laughs> they AI can't bot talk yet though questions. they can't talk yet though mm-hmm. but, but it I, probably can though like you just you just but i've seen dix's tweets some... it's only a matter of time <laughs> uh, so anyway um the russellonics patreon we have a, a report uh i think i'm reporting reporting these every friday is my decision um of my analysis of the merchandise sites, I also realized. So I've been reporting um, W Shop, AEW Shop AEW, excuse me, and PWTs, and taking the data, uh, taking the, the top sellers lists, and just saying, okay, according to these top sellers lists, if this really reflects sales activity, these are the most popular items. These are the most popular categories. We talked about this a number of times here. Um, I realized, you know, Friday night or Saturday, I can do New Japan too. So I've started to collect that data, too. It'll take some time before we can see anything meaningful there. We can finally see those big LIJ New Japan merchandise we'll numbers. We'll see. Those Naito fans are going to be very excited, Brandon. Yes. Yes. Um, it's a little late. I, sh- I, sh- I sh- really should have come to the party a few years ago uh, on a lot of things. But El- Sonata truthers, will we, get, will we get evidence on Sonata being a big merchandise mover? We'll see. A lot of Just Five Guys shirts. Yeah. So, But LWO shirts dominating the WWE list for the second week in a row. Um, these, these shirts that have that are in the Mexican flag colors, the Puerto Rican flag colors. This is all, by the way, leading up to uh, backlash on May 5th in Puerto Rico. Um, but for the second week in a row, LWO uh, items are, are at the top of the list for WWE. Um, but the, the rest of the report, if you're interested, is there for subscribers at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, along with everything else there. Also, here in late Feb... Late Excuse me, April, I came out with a annual report, the WrestleNomics Pro Wrestling Industry Report that you've all been waiting for, for 2022. Uh, so that is there. That is there for free as part of your subscription, $5 a month. Or if you just want to pay $6 one time, you can buy it on PayHip. Um, there's links on WrestleNomics.com if you're looking for it. Um, so, stardom. I did wake up at 7 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time, and I caught the main event. Of stardom, stardom's all start. You purchased this paper, you <clears throat> of course. I did, of course. I did. Um, I won't be sharing my login with, with, with either of you though, because uh, you know, I don't want to get arrested. Um, Yokohama Arena, uh, this is in all likelihood stardom's biggest live event of its own ever. Uh, the announced attendance 5,539 attendees, it's the announced number. Um, that would be, by a slim margin, would be ahead of the 5,500 from the event uh, on April 29th, 2013 in Real Gokuku Kukikon uh, that, that people in my replies on Twitter say is a totally not legit number. So it probably blew that away in whatever the real number was for it. That it may or may not even be the biggest attendance for stardom up to this point. Um, other than that number, which may not be legit. Uh, the Stardom Dream Kingdom 2022, which is at the very end of last year, December 29th, also at the Sumo Hall, the Kuga Cookie Con. That's fun to say, isn't it? Um, 3,869 was that attendance, announced attendance here. Uh, these are these are sourced from Cage Match, but I believe they're all 
originally sourced from the Stardom website itself. So um, if this is anywhere near a legitimate attendance, a paid attendance, it's it's blown that number away from late December, which was just under 4,000. And this is at 5,000 and a half. So I talked to uh, I talked to Liam Jones this morning, uh, who uh, covers a lot of the smaller pro promotions for voiceofwrestling.com. And he said that the highest credible attendance number before this show um, is thirty eight hundred. Sure. So and that's that's this December 29th number. Right. Pretty close to it. Right. Because you really ha- you can really only trust the data, I think, post um, Bushi Road acquisition. Yes. Yeah. And and other than that 2013 number, they're all this is all 2021, 2022, and, and 2023. Uh, this is the top ten attendances uh-huh. that I that I found through Cage Match data. So like likely the biggest show in Stardom's history. Um, Mercedes Monet is probably Mercedes Monet was in the semi main event against Mayo Iwatani. Main event was Julia versus Tam Nakano. Um, should, should we spoil it? Or should we not spoil it? I, I don't know, but. Uh, reportedly, I think this is according to, to Dave Meltzer, and I think she confirmed this even in the in the press conference. Perhaps I haven't, not not sure. Uh, but but Mercedes Monet has signed an extension with Bushi Bushi Road to continue working for Bushi Road. So we'll see more of her in Stardom and or New Japan. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I believe this was like her last scheduled date on as part of her original deal. Th- those and... those were reports that she was trying to discredit leading up to this match where she lost the title. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe she can start a podcast and she can yell at Brian Alvarez about it. Yes, that's how she feels. Um, but it's extended, but we don't know what that extension means. It could be just one more appearance for all we know. Right. So th- this is s- certainly the biggest all-women's show in Japan in many years. Probably this century, I would say. There's probably nothing else you know, after 99, I would say, that's bigger than this. Does that sound right? Um, if, if we look at... Um, the W Evolution show, the all-women's show from WWE, October 28th, 2018. Uh, according to Polestar, live events data website, that had a gate of $714,000, paid attendance of just over $11,000 at, at, uh, at the Nassau Coliseum, or whatever it was called at the time, in Uniondale, New York, um, which, is, which has since been replaced by the UBS Arena as the main, main arena in that location. Um, so that's what that one did. So it's in terms of a gate. I mean, I don't have a great sense of what the average ticket price would be, but if we're thinking, you know, five thousand, let's say five thousand paid, and take take a wild guess at at average ticket. And ticket ticket prices tend to be higher in Japan, right? They used to be. I don't know if they are anymore. I that was always the standard going back generations that like tickets were more expensive in Japan. But I don't. I don't know. I, I imagine WWE tickets are the most expensive tickets in all of wrestling. Should we say like maybe be kind of aggressive and say like seventy five, eighty dollars or something like that for for this uh, the Stardom show? Um, and if we say five thousand, I think we're being a little bit generous here. Five thousand times say seventy five, you get a, get a gate of a, of three hundred seventy five thousand if under, under those assumptions. So it's it's well short of this uh, WWE show, uh, W Evolution, um, which was so successful. There were a bunch of other WWE Evolution shows uh, in the subsequent years. The, right. There has never been another W Evolution no. show again, despite the seven hundred thousand dollar gate, which I'm kind of joking about. But it was a successful show from a drawing perspective. Yeah. If you're just talking about live attendance now, um, maybe a big part of that was the novelty of Ronda Rousey uh, was much stronger. Of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, 
I don't believe it was. I, I, I forget the timeline, but I know the yeah. existence of the AEW Revolution show. Shogi, the, Shogi was the, murdered in early October, so this show would have taken place um, in the very same month. I believe. Okay, okay. If that's the timeline, I'm going to go and say that Evolution did exist before yeah. um, the the Khashoggi murder. Well, I think what we're kind of what I'm suggesting here is that th- this is an all women's show that was like a week before WWE's Crown Jewel show in, in 2018, a show in Saudi Arabia. That was under a lot of criticism because W was doing its second show working with the Saudi government just after – about a month after Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by Saudi agents. And um, women were not allowed to participate in the shows at the time. So there's at least an impression that this was – Evolution was a show that was maybe a PR move and maybe a way to give, give the women's you know, uh, a, a big show to do that would take some of the heat off of them doing this Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia. Right, because the women were not allowed to appear on the Saudi Arabia show at that time. That has since right. changed, which I think has rendered evolution moot. Um, uh, Velka Braca, in the uh, I probably just mispronounced his name, but uh, I know he's a big Joshi fan, and he's in the chat. And he says that there for the Stardom show, he says there were some very expensive tickets, but a majority of the tickets were uh, under six thousand yen, which is about under fifty dollars US. Okay. Um. In terms of the biggest uh, women's shows in Japan uh, in history, we can, of course, look at the, uh, I think, I th- by far, probably, is the Big Egg Universe show in 1994 in the Tokyo Dome. Did you uh, know that Dave Meltzer was there? He was there, yes. He's mentioned that before. Has he mentioned that before? Yes. Uh, well, it was, it was his show. It had a five-star tournament in it. Um, Four Million Dollar Gate is what ProWrestlingHistory.com has, probably via The Observer. Um you don't have to really adjust this for inflation, I found out, uh, because Japanese currency, Japanese yen, has not really been affected by inflation much over time, at least the last few decades. Uh, so it's about $4 million U.S. equivalents today. Um, so we don't have to think about inflation too much here, I don't think. Um, the Dream Slam in the same venue, Yokohama Arena in 1993, uh, $1.5 million. So that, too, if, if this gate is correct, would be well above in all likelihood what this show did uh but just to put in some context uh the historic crossover show tokyo differariake in november 7102 that was a show with both new japan and stardom talent on it uh so there's that but big show uh and in terms of you know what's the number the number one promotion is obviously wb number two promotion globally i would say is AEW. number three is new japan What's number four? CMLL, for sure. CMLL. For live yeah. attendance, I mean, I don't know what the actual money-generating ability of CMLL is compared to in, in, the, the American the, companies. The, the revenue, you know, the, the currency conversion might might have that so low that maybe stardom could be above it. I guess I have this, um, this Japanese attendance data to look at here. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of average attendance... Believe it or not, the leader is maybe it's not that hard to believe that Noah year to date is the leader because it's probably skewed greatly by their Keiji Muto Tokyo Dome show. The Muto Tokyo Dome show. I mean, pro wrestling Noah also just did a thousand people in the, like a 15,000 seat arena for a major show. So I wouldn't necessarily say that they're on fire at the moment. So, uh, but we do have what else did I do? I did median attendance. Here's a median attendance. New Japan is the leader in median attendance year to date. Number two 
is All Japan Pro Wrestling. Does that sound believable? This is cage match data, by the way. So this is all announced attendances. Um, preface this, disclaim this. These are announced attendances. Who I knows how I real? Don't, I don't think All Japan has run a tremendously high volume of shows. Oh, I've got that they're... data too. Um, count. This is count of of, of shows. I know it's his attendance here, but this is the count of shows. Uh, All Japan's run 17 shows mm-hmm. year to date. So they've run a low number of shows. And I would imagine the first quarter of the year, or first few months for All Japan are pretty high. I know they have a big show during New they have a, I think they have two big shows right after New Year's, New Year's Day, and then the day after do New Year's. Do they still Year's. do New, New Year Giant Series? Is that still called? Uh, I don't know if they did Giant Series this year. I, I'm not going to lie and say I've, I've been watching every All Japan show. Well, there's, but two, watched... there's, there's, there's Giant Series in October that they used to run, and yes. then the January New Year Giant Series. Um, two, I have two tributes a... to Shohai Baba, okay? Yeah, I have uh, I haven't watched a ton of All Japan this year, although I did watch the first two nights of the Champions Carnival, which are going on right now. Um, which is probably helping their attendance because that's one of their big annual events. And that's been made up a few of their shows. And like you said, they're only at 17 shows. Um, okay. In terms of total attendance that we can extract from this announced attendance data, new Japan by far number one with over a hundred thousand year to date. Um, Noah is number two with over 50,000. That's some, that's obviously supported by that big Tokyo Dome show they did with Kijimuto and stardom is number three here with 24, 25, 26,000. Right. The, um, the Dragon Gate fans will be screaming right now, and it's necessary to point out that out of these promotions, besides New Japan Pro Wrestling, Dragon Gate is the only promotion that draws considerably well uh, outside of the greater Tokyo area. And by the way, I know in a lot of cases, especially in Cage Match, there are some events that don't have an attendance. And I tried to extract it's, it's minority of events because records are fairly complete. Whether or not these are quality records is another question. But um, I for the for the instances where there was no attendance for an event, I inserted like the median attendance. So we're trying to ex- account for all all events here, if possible. Have you checked in on Gleet at all? No, I I don't think I included that in my script. Should, do you think they're they're in the conversation here? I'm not the most knowledgeable about Gleet, but I I know from just kind of following anecdotally that they have they've gone into like Korokan Hall and they've drawn bigger than you know Dragon Gate or All Japan Pro Wrestling or Noah have at certain times. So I would imagine that probably I don't know how many events they've run, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're on the same level as a uh, one of these smaller promotions. Is is Gleet an abbreviation for something? Gleet? Who knows? Yeah. Like, if I look in Cage Match, is it just G-L-E-A-T? Yeah, it's, it will just be Gleet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm running a script. We'll see if we can get any result from it. Um, okay, so there's that. Um, let's finish that conversation. So, WWE, number one, worldwide. AEW, number two. New Japan. CMLL, maybe number four. It all depends on how you want to describe, right. like... Are we like, talking like about like revenue? CML, Are we talking about attendance? We're talking about... Yeah, if, if you believe that... You know, if you believe the attendance numbers that Dave publishes in his CMLL notes section every week, CMLL is doing 10,000 fans every Friday night at Arena Mexico. So, like, if we're just going by sheer live attendance numbers, CMLL is probably only second to WWE. But, obviously, they're not as lucrative of a market as they are as a major American company as an AEW, and the television revenue is probably not even close. And I don't know about merchandise, and I don't know, I don't even know if their tickets are are, are being sold at the same rate. The gates might be higher for AEW, even if CMLL has way more fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Does AAA come next? We should put AAA before 
started. I, I don't I don't I don't know enough about like how much how I know Triple H uh, Triple H Triple A for you know their major shows and I know they had a Triple Mania show I think this past weekend. Um, they'll draw over ten thousand fans for those. I don't really know how well they're doing on a week to week basis. I I wouldn't surprise me if they're they're doing comparably very well to everyone except WWE, AEW, and New Japan. Mm-hmm. Would you put Stardom? I think I would put Stardom above Impact. Yeah, I mean, Impact being an American. Uh, yeah, what are Impact's advantages at the moment? Impact like, did a great rating for for Impact standards on Friday or on Thursday. Right, but say. do we think they're getting a lot of money from their television? They're on a network owned by the company that owns them. Um, they don't seem to have a particularly. Huge, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, they don't. They don't draw well from live attendance really at all. Um, their pay per view sales, I have no idea. That would probably be the next best source of revenue. Um, I don't know about that. I mean. NWA seems to draw considerably decently. But wouldn't GCW um, probably be in a better realm than NWA? That's a good yeah. point, Chris. I just that G, you could put GCW in the mix surely on volume of shows. You trying to get booked by GCW? No, I, I'm just bringing it okay. up. I mean, yeah, surely on vo- the NWA is volume of small, shows, small venues, and they have, they're on YouTube. Who knows how a compensation they're doing? GCW is doing better attendance. It looks like, and they're also on that Fight TV Plus. You know, and then MLW, which is reporting that they're selling out, like they sold out the 2300 Arena and all that. Maybe, I mean, you know, they're doing better than GCW, but I don't know. Okay. Do you have any other super chats? That's all uh, I got. That's all the slides I got. I think that is it. Uh, yes, that is it. Okay. You guys got stuff to plug? Sure. Uh, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. We just had a new episode go up a few days ago. It's me and Mr. Warren Hayes. Um, we talked a lot about CM Punk, and we talked about CM Punk not really in the context of what do we think is going to happen with CM Punk, or what do we think, you know, we weren't fantasy booking CM Punk angles, and we weren't talking about his backstage fight with the Elite, but we were focused a lot on CM Punk's individual star power, and kind of why CM Punk has become such a prominent figure to the wrestling media, why CM Punk's scoops are so important for people, why fans just can't get enough about hearing and reading and listening to drama involving CM Punk and kind of a focus on the unique kind of emotional connection he has with his fans and how that's really different than any other uh, wrestler that, that that has been around in the last 20 years in the sense of uh, how big of a star he is and how important he is to those fans that, I mean, I posed a question. I said that I don't think like even like, I don't think the rock if he were to, appear on an episode of AEW Dynamite would feel as important as CM Punk appearing on that first rampage. The Rock would be a bigger star and he would draw a bigger rating, but he wouldn't have even a star as big as Rock wouldn't have the kind of emotional importance to the fans, which is what has kind of kept CM Punk that that connection has kept CM Punk uh as relevant as he has been over the last year or so. Let's Rock appear on Impact. A little while ago, Do you need the, to the Ken Shamrock Hall of Fame. Ken Shamrock, yeah, yeah. Yes. that's right. Okay, right. was that on a pay per view then that that aired? No, th- I think it was. A- was that on the pay per view? Was that in the Impact before? Maybe it was the pay per view. Yeah, actually, yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Anything else? Uh, no, just standard Chris Gallo handles. You know, as of right now, Twitter verified, but uh, who knows if I'll keep up on yes. that. Uh, and just F- follow follow him at Chris yep. Gallo. If you want to be fall, maybe he'll follow you back. You never know. I've been doing a lot of comedy dates, so if you want to come have a laugh, uh, you know, I'm getting out there more in comedy. So come on out to the show. Okay, uh, that's it. 
you can uh, subscribe to russellnomics.com slash subscribe or patreon.com slash russellnomics. And the annual report is there as well for subscribers or on Payhip if you just want to buy it alone. We'll talk to you on Thursday on, on Patreon for subscribers. We'll be back on Sunday for everybody. Talk to you then. Bye.